All right. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that video. Moms were thinking of you during this time of quarantine. I know there's been a little extra pressure or stress. Um, you know, you're doing homeschooling with your kids as well as some of you are working. You're trying to help manage a family. Just a lot of pressure. And for those of you who are school teachers, uh, my heart goes out to you. You're trying to uh, teach children online. You're arranging uh, ways for them to learn at home. You're communicating with parents, and along with that, then you're teaching your own children, and uh, your husband needs a little love as well. So <laughs> you're, you're pretty amazing. We just want to take a minute and honor you and, and say a special prayer for you. You know, G. Campbell Morgan, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was a great uh, British preacher and evangelist back in the early 1900s, and uh, he came to the United States to do a, a kind of a tour, preaching tour, uh, was big news in the newspaper, which is interesting to me, back in the early 1900s. And he was being interviewed by a newspaper man, and they asked him the question, uh, who was the best preacher in your family? He had three brothers who were, who were also preachers. So uh, the, the interviewer asked, who was the best uh, preacher uh, in your family? He said, oh, that's easy. <laughs> it was our mother. She taught us how to live by her example, uh, through her love, and through her prayers. And uh, I, I saw this quote. It says, throughout the ages, no nation has ever had a better friend than a mother who taught her children to pray. And uh, that's so true. Mothers, we want to thank you today. Grandmothers and even great-grandmothers who might be watching uh, here this morning or, or later during the week. And I just want to encourage you that God hasn't forgotten your prayers. And so... If there's someone close by you, maybe one of your kids or uh, your spouse, would you take their hand? And let's say a prayer for mothers here this morning as we get started. Jesus, uh, you had a mother. I know we don't think about that very often, but uh, you saw the love and the encouragement and the care that your mother put into uh, raising you uh, as though you needed raised. And of course, because you're a human being, you did, but... Lord, we just want to pray for mothers right now. We want to pray for encouragement. Lord, not just a card, not just a flower, but, but from the Holy Spirit. Lord, help every mother understand her purpose and how significant her life is, even when it feels like everything's falling apart. We pray for encouragement and blessing uh, as we watch this video together. Strength, uh, power in her inner person, her inner man. Lord, to, to make the decisions, to lead her family. I thank you so much for her influence in our life. Pray blessing on each mom and grandma and great-grandma who's watching today in Jesus' name. Uh, would you say amen with me? Amen. I'm going to invite you to take your Bible this morning. If you brought one, you could turn to uh, Luke chapter 2. We're in the Christmas story this morning uh, for a few moments here talking about the Holy Spirit uh, but before we get there, just let me, could I just make a quick uh, comment about uh, the conversation that's going on in our nation and now in our state and here in our community about reopening? I think all of us can feel the literally social unrest that uh, is beginning to percolate in our, in our nation right now with a desire to get back to normal, so to speak, uh, open some businesses, even for some, get back to church, which I'm all about, and I'm excited about that. But uh, I just want to encourage you. I think on the 15th of May, uh, businesses can start reopening. 
And, and uh, I just want to encourage you. It's very important that we have an attitude of respect toward people. Uh, we have a lot of different opinions. Some people feel like they need to wear masks. Other people feel like they don't need to. I'm not wearing a mask or, or whatever. And, and I just want to encourage you. This is not about you. Uh, this is about respect in one another. It says in Ephesians uh, to respect one another out of reverence for Christ. And so it's, I just think it's important that we dial back our personal feelings a little bit and grab hold of our emotions, maybe even let the Holy Spirit lead us a little bit and, and respect one another. Uh, I think some people are, are more cautious than you might be, and it would be really appropriate for us to make sure we keep our distance six feet. Uh, in some situations, wear a mask when we're being asked to, 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 to wear a mask. It's just really important for us to, to remember this is not about us, but uh, it's, how, it's about Jesus. All our life is about Jesus, and it's about honoring him. So uh, honor him and glorify him just in the way we go back to work. I'm looking forward to when we can reopen as a church. I'm not sure when that's going to happen. I know there's a certain size limit to gathering, I think 10 is um, the one starting May 15th. If you'd like to have people in your home watch this service uh, together with some close friends, you're more than welcome to do that. I'm sure, uh, continue to, well, there's restrictions about distancing and, you know, clean surfaces and just, you know, there's some reservations about handshaking, those kind of things. I don't know how you feel about all that, but I want to encourage you just to be careful to respect one another as we work toward reopening together. With that, I'd love to get on to talking about the Holy Spirit again this morning. Uh, we're in a series uh, entitled Quenching the Thirst in My Soul. And Jesus made it really clear in the Gospel of John, chapter 4 and chapter 7, uh, if any man thirsts, let him come to me. Of course, it's the person of the Holy Spirit who really satisfies the thirst that is within our soul. Last week, we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit and how that's so clearly laid out in the book of Acts. This morning, I want to go a little bit different direction. Uh, naturally, I want to get on to talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit for ministry. But, but before we get there, we've got to learn to recognize his voice because recognizing his voice is, is so critical uh, if we're going to be led by him and if we're going to recognize his promptings when he uh, speaks to us about uh, communicating with someone or ministering to someone or, or sharing with someone. So I've asked you to turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through uh, 39. It's one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story, though we usually don't. Uh, go over it at Christmas time, but Jesus uh, is brought uh, as a baby uh, by his parents, Mary and Joseph, to the temple to be dedicated. According to the Old Testament law, he's probably about 40 days old uh, here at this point. And what's interesting to me in this story is that two people in the temple recognize who Jesus is through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it didn't take a star uh, to let them know that Jesus had been born. It didn't take angels uh, appearing to shepherds, uh, but simply with the still small voice, the witness of the Holy Spirit, they recognized this baby was in fact the Messiah uh, that God had promised. And uh, I, I think it helps us see some things about recognizing the voice of the Holy Spirit for our own life. So let me begin reading verse 25. I'll read down through verse 9. It says, 20, uh, <clears throat> verse 39 it says 
Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Uh, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Uh, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Uh, when, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Uh, the child's father and mother marveled at well, what was said about him. Uh, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to call, cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And boy, we see that in our own culture today, how the issue of Jesus just reveals hearts all around us. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. And can you imagine how Mary felt the day that Jesus was crucified? Verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Uh, <clears throat> coming up to them at the very moment, at that very moment that, that Simeon was prophesying, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee uh, to their own a town of Nazareth. I love these verses because, because they illustrate the relationship that Simeon and Anna had uh, with the person of the Holy Spirit. In verse 25, it talks about Simeon. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. And then in verse 26, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then in verse 27, moved by the Spirit. Just There was a sensitivity an awareness of the Holy Spirit in his life, awareness of his presence. In verse 38, obviously the same thing in Anna's life. Uh, she was led by the Spirit at just the right moment uh, up to Mary and Joseph. It says in verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, right when uh, Simeon was prophesying, uh, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know, it talks about two witnesses, how it's so important for two witnesses. And here in the temple, 40 days after Jesus was born, two witnesses prophesying that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. Now, I thought about this a little bit this week, and I want to talk about something I don't know if I've ever really tried to before. I'm going to try to use an illustration. So, Think with me, if it helps, great. If it doesn't, you know, throw it out. When you listen to a sermon, you gotta chew the meat and spit out the bones. But here, you know, there, there are basically uh, three levels of relationship uh, as a society, uh, with friends, uh, in, in a marriage relationship, that basically there are three levels of relationship in this life. Uh, there's a physical level of relationship. Uh, there's, there's a soul 
level of relationship. And then there's a spiritual level of, of relationship, something that we sense, even though we don't always feel, but we know it's there. Now, many, many uh, romantic relationships that end up in marriage relationships start out of, at a physical level. In other words, he's attracted to you, and she's attracted to you. Maybe you Maybe you saw them in a classroom in high school, or maybe you saw them walking across campus at a college. Maybe you met them in the, in the workplace. Uh, but uh, when you saw her, she was amazing, or he was handsome, and there was, a, there, there was an attraction. So it went to coffee, or maybe you got together for a date or something. Most relationships start out, uh, literally, at a physical level. I, I met my wife, many of you know the story, I met her in a bank, and the day I met her, I told my pastor it was with me, I'm gonna marry her. I mean, there, there was something there that was attractive, and uh, I don't know, she was the one for me. Unfortunately for me, she had decided that she was never gonna date any of her customers. And that was a little over 40 years ago, but anyway. Um, <laughs> now, I do a little bit of premarital counseling, and one of the things I notice is that some people's relationship don't really, it doesn't really grow past the physical level, even before they get married. I mean, they think it does. They, they think they know each other, they think they communicate, but to be honest, in the midst of some of their struggles or miscommunication, uh, nothing ever gets really resolved because they decide, well, he's cute, or, you know, well, she's beautiful, and, and they still base their commitment to one another on a physical attraction. Uh, they have a lot to learn, and we've all been there, done that, and probably bought the shirt, but um, the next level of relationship is the soul level. It's where you really discover who a person is. You discover their personality. You begin to see some of their weaknesses. Uh, you begin to learn their values, and you begin to see their character, and you learn how to trust in them. And, and believe in them. You start believing, you start admiring maybe some of the sacrifices that they make, uh, the courage they have to, to make life work in the midst of difficulties, you know, showing up at work every day or, you know, making sure the laundry gets it, whatever it takes. There's a level of relationship where we begin to feel a bond that is at, a, at an emotional level. That's a soul level relationship and of course if a marriage is going to last for very long it's got to move there third level of relationship is spiritual and it's much deeper even than a soul level relationship there's there's something there in your spirit beneath your soul where you believe in their values you believe in their integrity you sense their motivation you know how they're going to answer before you before you ask the question I mean, you just have a deep inner connection. And of course, when the Holy Spirit comes into that relationship, you have a, a unity of love and a unity of purpose and a unity of passion that goes beyond anything this life can offer. And as a result, there's, there's a bond that is established through prayer. Uh, th there's a bond at times of crisis that is established through forgiveness and acceptance and love that the Holy Spirit produces in your, uh, deeper than your soul, beneath your soul. 
for that person that literally changes your soul. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you feel. There's a, there's a spiritual level of relationship that actually is talked about in the book of Ecclesiastes where it says a threefold cord is not easily broken. And there's something about Jesus being the center of a relationship that creates a bond that is, that is so deep. It's, it's, it's hard to describe or understand, but you literally know that it's there. Now, why am I saying that? Because God wants to know us at the spiritual level of our life. And that's amazing to me. He's given us the Holy Spirit in our spirit because he understands that is the deepest way to affect who we're becoming. I think all of us have wrestled with the idea of being born again and what that's all about. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes, I believe it's Ecclesiastes, no, excuse me, Ezekiel uh, 36 verse 26 that talks about how God would, God would take out a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. God wants a relationship with us in our spirit. And, and that, that's amazing to me. It's the deepest level of communication that anyone could have with us. And of course, Jesus understood this. That's why Jesus said in John 14, it, it's good that I go uh, so that the Holy Spirit could come. There was a limit to what the disciples could learn about God with their mind or even with their emotions as they watched Jesus do the miracles that he did. Jesus knew that they needed a a relationship with God in their spirit that would influence their emotions, influence their mind, and literally would change the destiny and direction of their life. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, and then I'll jump down to verse 16, but Paul had some insight into this, and I just wanted to share it with you this morning. Verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the apostle Paul said, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. You know, as much as we try to get close to someone, we, we can't know everything. There are things that are secrets, things that they, he or she, discover, know about themselves, but it's the deep part of who they are. We long to know that. We want to be bound together at that level, but I, as you know, sometimes it takes a lifetime of, of marriage and communication to to get to, to get to that level. Uh, but this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. We have received God's spirit uh, so, that, uh, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jump down to verse 16. Says, Paul says, for... Uh, who can know the Lord's thoughts? And who, can, uh, who knows enough to teach him? <laughs> but we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. I, I, I don't know if, know, know if I understand, if we could understand what that means, that the privilege of literally having the mind of Christ within our spirit, that, that he could show us all things that he could teach us in a way that no human being uh, could ever teach us about ourselves, about this life, about his purpose for our life, 
about the destiny that he, that he has for us. Uh, see, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher. The, the person of the Holy Spirit, the, the privilege of being taught by him is, is more than you and I were bargaining for uh, when we got saved. This is what uh, John the Apostle says in 1 John chapter 2, verse uh, 27. He said, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. <laughs> it's amazing to me. I really believe that God has mysteries to unfold in our soul that sometimes we don't take the time to try to learn. We don't put in the effort to try to search for. We don't spend the time meditating, praying, uh, seeking in God's word. We're so captivated by cell phones and iPads and superficial entertainment that we don't really seek out the deep things of God. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 16, verse 12 through 13. He says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You know, there was only so much Jesus could teach his disciples in their mind. There was only so much head knowledge. And you know, it's interesting for me. I meet people that have a lot of head knowledge, people that know their Bible backwards and forwards. And I'm, when I'm with them, it's exhausting because they, they know the Bible, they know scriptures, and they can literally exhaust me with their knowledge. And then I can be with someone who knows the Holy Spirit and they can take a scripture and, and, and the Holy Spirit has breathed life into that scripture to the point where when they talk about it, it comes alive. And it's so refreshing. And I, I could be with them forever. It seems like my conversation with them could go on and on and on and on because there's life. There's the breath of the Holy Spirit in, in what they're saying. And it's just fascinating to me. See, Jesus could only teach his disciples so much head knowledge, but they, they needed a heart change, number one, but they also needed revelation through the power and person of the Holy Spirit because he is the ultimate teacher. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I might be a little strange here, but one of the things that's interesting to me in the New Testament is that the apostle Paul was never taught by Jesus in a physical way. He never saw a miracle that Jesus did. And yet he wrote half the New Testament. And one of the questions is, how did he do that? I mean, where did he learn that? Well, the Apostle Paul would say it was by revelation. In fact, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 through 12, the Apostle Paul talks about his gospel, the way that he was preaching the gospel or teaching the gospel to Gentiles, which... Uh, was literally forbidden by uh, Jewish people. Even Peter, 10 years after the day of Pentecost, uh, 
in Acts chapter 10. Peter still thought it was wrong for him to enter the house of a Gentile. It's just uh, amazing to me what Paul caught by revelation. And in Galatians 1 verse 11 through 12, the apostle Paul said, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source. And no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me the understanding that the Apostle Paul had about salvation. And aren't you thankful for it? He's the one that teaches justification. You know, just as if I'd never sinned. I think it's in Romans 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word justified was a legal term when a, a judge would declare you not guilty. That is a once and for all experience that you had in your life the moment you accepted Christ, the moment you turned to Christ, the moment you believed in Christ. You can't turn to Christ and believe in Christ without wanting to follow Christ. There's something of the Holy Spirit drawing you. And, you know, sometimes uh, people will get nervous when I talk about forgiveness, that it's a once-for-all thing because, well, what about, what, 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 does that mean they just have license to sin? Well, anyone who loves Jesus doesn't want to sin. That's not the issue. The issue is understanding you have been declared not guilty for all eternity. And that was a legal act that took place as a result of the cross. And Paul caught it. And Paul was able to teach it. He was able to say, there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He was able to explain in Romans chapter 7 that the law of sin that still is at work in our members and we think things and sometimes do things that we don't want to do. I mean, we've made commitments to Jesus, help me never do that again, and then we do it again because the law of sin is at work within our members. But then he goes on to say, but there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. He goes on to talk about being led by the spirit and learning how to put to death the deeds of the flesh. He said, if the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body, he will quicken you. Uh, You'll be transformed. You'll be changed. He talks about the transformation of our minds in in Romans chapter 12. He talks about spiritual inheritance in the book of Ephesians, how how we've been adopted into God's family, how, how we've been forgiven, how we have an inheritance for all eternity. He talks about our hearts. How, how God would enlarge our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit that we'd know the height, the depth, the length, and breadth to know the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He prays that our hearts would become the home so that Jesus would literally rule every area of our heart. He has insight into salvation that came through revelation. And, it, and it's really amazing. And what is also amazing to me is in Acts 10, verse 34, It says that God shows no favoritism, that he's no respecter of persons, and therefore what God did for Paul, he'll do for you if you want him to. What God did for Paul, he he will do for you. God will bring revelation. He'll help you understand salvation for your own life. He'll help you communicate salvation for other people. You know, I, I think the church, in so many ways, 
is missing an opportunity to communicate the amazing mystery and miracle of salvation because we don't know how to say it. Because we've been taught things in our mind, but we don't know how to say it from our spirit. We don't know how to be led by the spirit. We don't know how to be filled with the spirit. We don't know how to be empowered with gifts of the spirit that truly brings transformation and healing for people. We need to know the Holy Spirit so that when we get around to talking about the gifts of the Spirit, we'll know how he wants us to minister them. So it's important before we talk about the gifts that we talk about knowing him and learning how to recognize his voice. So I'm going to take about five minutes here in closing and uh, just suggest four things. Four things that I see in Simeon and Anna's life here in Luke chapter 2 that I think are foundational for us in terms of getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And number one is to seek him. Seek the Lord with all of your heart. Simeon sought the Lord. The Lord showed him that he wasn't going to pass away until he saw the Messiah. Can you imagine the, 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 the intercession, the wrestle, the prayer in Simeon's life to long for uh, simply seeing the Messiah before he died? There was, a, there was a deep seeking of the Lord in Simeon's life. It was in Anna's life. I mean, f- for most of her life, probably from 20 years old or maybe 21 or 22 years old until the time she was 84. She sought the Lord with prayer and fasting. There was just a, a, a dedication there. It says, James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Oh, If there's a double-minded man in the world, it certainly would be me. And that's why it's so important for me to have that consistent lifestyle of seeking the Lord and and drawing near to God. A second thing I see from their life is just their knowledge of the Word and how they meditated on God's Word. If you look at verse 35, excuse me, verse 30 through 35, when, when Simeon prophesied about Jesus being light to the Gentiles, uh, bringing division among the Jewish people and, of course, pain, uh, a sword uh, to Mary's own soul. Uh, you, you see the time he spent studying the book of Isaiah and, and the book of Malachi. And, and as a result, when the moment came, he was able to prophesy in a way that truly declared uh, truth about Jesus that the Jewish people wouldn't discover for years, even after he died on the cross and after he, he rose from the dead. It says in... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babes long for the sincere milk of the word that by it you may grow up in respect to your salvation. I, I don't know exactly what your translation said. That I think I memorized that from the New American Standard Bible years ago. But, uh, you know, reading the Bible, memorizing scripture is great. But it's the meditation that changes your heart. And it's the meditation that changes your life, learning how to picture and imagine and take time with God and pray in the Spirit, asking Him to reveal His truth to you. I want to encourage you to seek the Lord with all your heart. I want to encourage you to meditate on His Word. Uh, Number three is just faithfulness and consistency. Uh, Verse 25, uh, it says that Simeon was uh, righteous and devout. And, And, you know, I love that phrase. It's a little intimidating to me because I'm not perfect, and frankly, neither are you. But learning how to be faithful in spite of imperfection, 
learning how to be consistent in spite of imperfection is really one of the major breakthroughs, one of the major overcomings that any of us can do, that even when we fail, we show up. That even when we fall, we get back on our feet and we stay in the battle. I just want to encourage you with faithfulness and consistency. And the fourth thing, last thing, is be, be expectant. Be expectant. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And, and here's what I mean by that. Simeon and Anna were, were expecting. They were expecting to see the Messiah come in their lifetime. So, so let me ask you a question. What are you expecting? I mean, do, do you get up each day expecting to see Jesus? Do, do you expect to see Jesus or hear Jesus in your spirit as you spend time in the word? Do you expect Jesus to show up when you go to Fred Meyers or, you know, coffee or uh, the gas station or whatever? To live with a sense of expectancy. I know I'm being a little extreme, but to be honest, expectancy is something that has really shaped the way I think. It's helped me listen and look for Jesus in every relationship. You know, one of the ways the Spirit is forming us is through our relationships. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all character qualities that I can't really produce on my own, but they are the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And as I live in relationship with Jesus, and as I long for His presence, and I seek Him expectantly, I love when He shows up. I love when I would normally react impatiently to something my wife asked me to do. And that's when the Holy Spirit steps in and says, be patient. Because that is how He's changing me into His image. You know, there's a there's a beautiful scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that talks about how as we walk with him with unveiled face, in other words, God has taken the veil away through Christ. As we walk with him through, with unveiled face, we, bold, we, we behold his presence and we are being changed and transformed uh, from glory to glory to glory. And my prayer for us uh, during this season is that we know the Holy Spirit. We allow him to begin to work deeply within our soul to change us. That relationship from within would truly begin to form who we are. You know, when a couple's been together for a lot of years, uh, they begin to shape the other person. They begin to mold something within that other person that becomes part of who they are. I really believe that God wants to do the same thing within our soul through the power of the Holy Spirit from deep within us. So... I want to pray for us and ask him to fill us again in a fresh way. I invite you to lift your heart with your hands, maybe if you'd like to here this morning. Let's pray and ask him to come. Jesus, I want to know you. Lord, I really want to know you. Uh, I want to allow you to transform who I am, Jesus. It's a struggle. Uh, some days are harder than others. But Lord, I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to move with the Spirit. I want to be filled with the Spirit. And Lord, I pray for every person who's watching or listening, whether they're a mom or a dad or one of the children. Lord, this promise is for you. I ask you to fill them with the Holy Spirit today. Just strengthen them, encourage them today. Lord, 
somehow this week, show them that you're there. Show them that you're real. Show them that you're speaking to them. Lord, help them hear your still, small voice. We thank you for that today. We thank you for hearing our prayers. Love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to stand with me one last time and let's allow the worship team to lead us in this song again this morning.